0: This is Daraya Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 126. Get funding for your next deal or fund your next deal. We're going to learn how to do both on today's episode, so stay tuned. the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast, podcast.
1: and now your host, Deray Olalaye.
0: Yo, what a do BTM tribe! Welcome to another installment of the Before the Millions podcast. Man, today's what day two forty six of three six five. Wow, I mean, we are just flying through the year, and before you know it, we'll be in twenty twenty. Um, it's crazy that 2020 used to be sarcasm and now 2020 is literally around the corner. It's just fascinating to me how, how, how fast time flies. Let's get into it guys. We have a jam packed episode for you guys. As I kind of went over the show notes, I was just like, man, there's just so much value in this episode. And, um, I think that you guys will take away a lot from it. Even if you're not looking to get hard money as of now, I particularly don't use hard money with the motivated seller method, which is coming out this winter. So this episode was super fascinating for me and I learned a whole lot. And I think you guys will too. Um, We're going to cover the emergence of Ross, Ross Hamilton, the guy who's actually being interviewed on this episode, the founder of Connected Investors. We're going to cover the emergence of his company. Um, Many of you may have already heard of Connected Investors. Ross likes to coin it like the, the Facebook for real estate investors. And the first thing that may come to your mind, especially if you've been investing for a while, may be Bigger Pockets. Um, or it may be connected investors, but we're going to talk about connected investors on today's episode. And we're actually going to talk about what distinguishes connected investors from bigger pockets because it's a completely different type of platform for a totally different utility. We're going to talk about how Ross randomly linked up with the CEO of Lending Tree and how he went to go raise money for his tech firm. Yep, connected investors is a tech firm. So we're going to talk about exactly how he um, how he went about that process. And then we're actually going to talk about his journey into building this company, right? So how he grew this platform to now over hundreds of thousands of people. And then we're going to get into the specifics of lending. So like where to find the best or cheapest private money, how to become a private money lender, if that's something that you're interested in, how to get private money lenders to fight for your deal. We're kind of flipping it rather than you, you getting a deal and you going to market to private lenders and, and trying to show them why and how it's a good deal. Now you get a good deal and they fight for your deal because there's more money in the market than there are good deals. And we're going to show you exactly how to get private lenders to fight for your deals. We're going to talk about exactly if you should find fund funding first or if you should find the deal first. I think this is a very popular question. Should I go ahead and line up my money first or should I, should I go ahead and go find a deal first? We're going to talk about exactly what to do. And if you are a brand new lender or looking to become a brand new lender, we're going to talk about one of the biggest questions. How do I price myself? Now, also in the news I've been seeing, Amazon has taken a big position um, in the coming years in the real estate sector. So I asked Ross a few questions about Amazon and what they're planning to do with real estate and why they're looking to buy so much property. It's a fascinating conversation. So, I'm not going to let too many more cats out of the bag. This is more than I would typically do for an episode. But again, there were a lot of nuggets. Um, We're going to end our conversation with hyper targeting deals. Now, Ross and his company actually faced a lawsuit from Facebook. So, go figure, right? But it was because of how he was hyper targeting and finding deals in specific markets. And it's actually pretty fascinating how he's still able to hyper target deals today. So, guys, Strap on your seatbelt, get out your pen and your notepad, and let's get busy. But don't, don't do both, though. Not, not at the same time, at least. So if you're driving, just keep your eyes on the road and keep driving. And again, strap on that seatbelt and listen with all intentiveness, if that is a word. Um, but if you're stationary, then get out your pen and pad and let's get to work. DeRay's Tip of the Week In theme with today's episode... I am not a private money lender. I don't think that I am yet at that stage in which I desire to be a private money lender. But I do invest in a crowdfunding platform. The one that's not like most crowdfunding platforms. I invest and have been investing in Fundrise. F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E. I've been investing in Fundrise since mm, 2016, 2017. And... I am currently invested in over 190 active projects. These, sp- these projects span from construction projects to single family homes, to a nine home lot in Los Angeles, to five apartment renovations in Georgia, and so on and so forth. Now, I get paid dividends every single quarter and I never, ever log into my Fundrise account. So why do I bring that up on today's episode? Well... If you're looking to invest in real estate and you're looking to be super passive, and investing in a vehicle like Fundrise sounds a whole lot more appealing than fixing and flipping, than knocking on motivated sellers' doors, than a lot of the things that we do to create active and passive income in real estate, with Fundrise, all you would need to start investing today is $500. And what they would do with that five hundred dollars is they would they would ask you about your investing criteria, how risky you'd like to be, whether you'd like to see more of a debt position or an equity position. And guys, if you have no idea what none of this stuff means, first and foremost, they explain it to you step by step. And also, they also have their own made up categories so that if you didn't want to learn the terminology that we use, you can use their made up categories and. Pick your portfolio based on those categories. So their made up categories are things like income rates and growth rates, right? Depending on what you want your portfolio to deliver for you. So if you're looking to receive a higher amount of dividends every single quarter, then you may want to go for the income rate. But if you're looking for a larger payout at the end, then you may want to go for the growth rate. REIT, R-E-I-T, stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. And all this means, in, in layman's terms, is just a package or a group of properties, properties grouped together, and then you can get shares of a ton of different properties and not actually own the property full outright. Rather, you'd be a stakeholder and would benefit in proportion to to the amount you invest. Again, you can start out with just $500 and you could continually reinvest your dividends and you could also continually set up automatic payments to go into your Fundrise account rather than a savings account. I use Fundrise and I've gotten a ton of people to use Fundrise and they all rant and rave about it. You can go check out Fundrise over at beforethemillions.com forward slash Fundrise and if you use that link, you will get your first 90 days of advisory fees totally waived. Again, that's beforethemillions.com forward slash forward slash fundrise. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation.
1: I was a rising BMX, uh, you know, talent. Uh-huh. I would travel all around the United States and compete in contests. I even had my own BMX clothing company. I sponsored people. I was, uh, I was all in the, the day, the, uh, Michael Jordan of my sport lived in my hometown Uh, Dave Mira. So I got to ride with the best of the best all day, every day. And believe it or not, I fell one day and I broke my leg. You know, the thing your mom always tells you is going to happen. No, no, I'll be, I'll be fine. And uh, I twisted my ankle so far, it broke my leg. Uh, I had to get all sorts of reconstructive surgery. So basically I was in a cast for a year at about, uh, you know, 17 or 18 years old, which is a pretty pivotal uh age in extreme sports. So uh once once I recovered, uh I kind of felt like my ship had sailed. Uh and I had to I had to find something new to do. And that's when I started kind of looking around and the internet back then wasn't as uh you know, searchable as as it is today. There wasn't YouTube, there wasn't amazing podcasts like yours. So I was just stuck to going to Barnes and Noble. And I Read a book, uh, rich dad, poor dad. A lot of people kind of start there because it opens your eyes up to real estate, and it said eighty percent of millionaires made their uh, made their fortune through real estate. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not the smartest guy, but I want to play the odds. So that's that's kind of how I found uh, real estate investing.
0: And I, and it's crazy, but you know, you're 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 18 years old, and 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 your future as you know it is changing before your eyes, right? Because I mean. Oh, yeah when you were thinking about the routes that you had, right, you know, was was there a possibility that you were like, Hey, like once I recover, once everything is okay, like I'm going to go back to doing what I love and trying to find a way to make a career out of that. Or was it, was it like, it's over and I need to move on.
1: You know, I got back on, I got back on the bike afterwards and it just, uh, all my friends that I had been riding with for years were, were, you know, really far ahead of me now. And I, it was just, It was just tough to go from, you know, being a top talent to trying to start all over again. And I was kind of at that age, you know, the kind of the college age to where I didn't really have time to to rebuild. So I had to, I had to figure something else out. And, you know, when I do something, I'm always all in. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's see what else is out there. And, you know, the, the idea was real estate investing would support a lifestyle that would allow me to still ride and be in the, uh, you know, be in the industry, but not have to make a living out of it and that that carried on for uh, for a really long time. I'm actually excited that uh, BMX is in the Olympics in 2020. So I plan on being there. I know a lot of people that are that are competing. Uh but yeah, it was just like all right, I got I got to figure out something I can do and I was never really uh into traditional education in college. I don't really learn well that way. I like to get my hands on things. Uh so I just had to figure something out in real estate investing. I know it's not the same as you know riding BMX, but every every house I'd flip was like uh, pedaling toward a ramp, and I was either going to make it or I wasn't. So I already had the the risk tolerance was really high, and that's how I found that's how I found real estate.
0: I love it. I love it. So so walk me through Ross because I'm I'm super interested. You you read Rich Dad Poor Dad um and just walk me through the next progression like okay so many people have read that book many people read that book many many people are reading that book right now and you you know as well as i do that maybe about one way less than 1% of people who actually yeah. read that book go and take some type of action what what prompted you to really take action and what, what what was that action
1: i think it was just a bit of uh i don't want to say ignorance but just not knowing any better i'm like hey this is i want to be a millionaire uh, this is how you do it. This is what the guy said to do. So I'm going to do it. It was, uh, I didn't have anything else really holding me back. I had no excuses. I had no other options uh, at the time. I thought it sounded really cool and fun. And the lifestyle uh, was was right, was right there. And you know, after I read that book, I started talking to a lot of people in my town about about this opportunity. And I met with all the most successful people I could possibly meet.
0: And they were like, crazy kid, go away, get out of here.
1: Well, actually being being young was, yeah, they were, but being young, it made it easy for me because they were like, all right, sure kid, I'll talk to you. You've been pestering me for months. And the, the sum of the advice I got was buy real estate and travel. So I'm like, all right, this, this sounds great. So I'd read this book about real estate investing. A lot of the most successful people, I asked them the same question. What would you do if you were if you were me, if you were 18 years old, knowing what you know now, what would you do? And they were like, I'd buy real estate and I'd travel. Um, so I'm like, all right, you know, all the signs kind of pointed toward uh, toward that. And I just started to network with people and started to to meet people that were that were doing real estate because again, I'm a hands-on learner. So I met people in my town and that were active real estate investors, and I just started showing up at their offices. I just started meeting up with them and trying to work with them, do anything I could to be around. The uh, the industry and uh, eventually I, I started having some people that I worked with uh, daily and then I started my own company but it all really uh, uh, you know there was no real magic moment other than I'm going to do this uh, the funny thing is actually before I this is uh, you know the second book the second book I read was Think and Grow Rich which is a which is a which is a fantastic book but what I started doing before I did my first deal. I wrote a book about how to become a millionaire in your 20s through real estate. So I was writing this book through the eyes of uh, myself being older, already have do, I already did it. So it was a really powerful exercise to actually write that book. I actually published it, Real Estate Investing in Your 20s. It's on, it's on Amazon or I'll give it to you to give away if you want to, but it's a, uh, it was basically like my journal of everything I did as a, as a real estate investor. But my mindset was, I'm going to do this I know I am. People are going to want to know how I did it, so I might as well write it down. It was a little bit cocky, in some ways, but it was that's not that's not where it came from. It came from a place of uh, you know wanting to kind of document what I was doing. Got you, got you. So wait, wait, what what year was this? And I'm so bad with uh, with timeline stuff. I would say um, 2002, 2000, oh, 2000, yeah, 2001, 2002 ish. I bought my first uh, investment property. My eighteenth, nineteenth birthday, like right as I was turning nineteen, I bought my first uh, first rental house,
0: and that's when you had the foresight to begin the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Actually, it's funny. I remember this uh, one thing I wrote in the book. I was reading the mortgage. It's actually got a traditional mortgage for that one, and it said to have and to hold. And I felt like I was getting married. It has like the same language that you hear at a you know marriage ceremony uh, in your in your mortgage. If you're going to read it, it's the only one I ever read. I read the first one because I was so interested in it, but. After that, I, I just it. signed the dotted line.
0: <laughs> I love that. But wait, did, you con- did you continue going traditional
1: for a while? Um, yeah, my first two were, uh, were traditional. Uh, because back then, you can get a loan. I didn't even have a job. I just But I was still able to get a loan somehow. I didn't have good credit. Back then, it was that's why the mortgage meltdown happened, uh, like it did. Uh, so I was able to get a loan on that one as my primary. And then I moved in and moved right out. And then I was able to get another primary, even though I didn't have any real income coming in at the time. And uh, on that one, actually, since we're talking about some fun stuff from back in the day, it was, I bought it for 130 and it was worth 250. I was able to get an equity line for $100,000 as a 20 something year old. And I took that hundred grand cash because before that I didn't have any money. I was doing it all no money down type stuff that existed in the traditional world back then. I took that $100,000 and I started doing a lot of subject to's and creative seller finance deals because my traditional uh, mortgage route had kind of come to an end. You know, one or two properties, no job. You know, I was lucky to get that. So then I started to get very creative in my financing, but I leveraged that 100000 into, you know, several dozen properties through seller financing.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. So, so real, real quick, Ross, where am I talking to you from? Where, where are you currently? Oh,
1: this is my, uh, yeah, this is my headquarters. This is Connected Investors. Uh, we're downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, you know beautiful area. A lot of good stuff happening out here, and yeah, we're right we're right in the main strip right here. So yeah,
0: and then most of the or all of the listeners can't see what I can see, so I just kind of want you to describe your offices for me, and maybe like the, so let me kind of give you guys an insight into the overall vibe. Like Ross literally just skated away from me a couple minutes ago (laughs) to go go tell some people to quiet down. (laughs) But yeah, describe your office. I mean, it's kind of industrial looking, but it's like, you know, it's like the look these days, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to have this polished concrete because skateboards, you know, glide on it really well. So it's, uh, it's a big office and I just kind of, we all skate around and, It's, uh, we designed it to feel like a coffee shop or a hangout place. I don't know, just a a work environment that you kind of want to be at. People come in here and they're like, oh, this is great. You know, we started in coffee, connected investors and my whole real estate business kind of started out of coffee shops. I just work from my laptop, flip real estate, start this tech thing. That was just a crazy idea at at the time. And uh, so that's why I wanted to have that coffee shop vibe. And we got good speakers in here. We're right downtown Wilmington. So we, we have a lot of fun here as well. I love it. I love it. So, so, so now
0: th- this gap between 2001, 2002 until 2019, obviously crowdfunding and all these, all these platforms didn't really come about until 2015. Right? So, so if you can quickly, maybe in about a, a 30 seconds to a minute, cover the next what, and I know it's crazy to say to try to do, but if you can like kind of cover the next 10.
1: Yeah. To- Hopefully you can hear me. Okay. So I went from trying to figure it out to working with uh, a mentor. We did about a hundred deals together uh, flipping. Then I started my own company, started buying and flipping properties, renovating, doing land development, pretty much any property. I would just figure out the highest and best use. Uh, I started making a good amount of money uh, right before uh, the crash. And I realized that the more people I was connected with, uh, the f- more money I was able to make. So that was right when Facebook and uh, MySpace came out. So I thought, hey, it'd be great if there was like a Facebook that was just for real estate investing. At the time, there wasn't anything like it. Uh, so we created connectedinvestors.com and that started to, uh, to take off countrywide. What,
0: what, year, what year was this? 2006, gotcha.
1: 2006, seven, eight is kind of when I started to kind of, it was a little bit of a hobby uh, in those years. It was like a side project. But every time I'd flip a deal, I'd, I'd just fund my, my tech company. Uh, and from there, um, we went out and raised just a little bit of venture money to be able to actually. Uh, so, you know, so real quick,
0: take take me back, Ross. Real quick, i love to kind of get into the story of it because I mean, you go from a skateboarder, right? BM, BMX. BMX, right? Yeah. Sorry, BMX. You got to you got to make sure it's clear so that they know you got you go from BMX to real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Right, and you're, you're 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 doing fix and flips. You're doing subject tools, You're doing uh, some other creative financing, like owner financing, all that good stuff. And then you decide that it's a good idea to start a tech company in North Carolina.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, tell, me t- tell me, tell
0: me, tell me about the inception of, of the idea of this company.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh one one of the things that as you were kind of going through that timeline, um, I got in real estate at the perfect time, right as it kind of shot up. And I started to exit into tech right before it dropped down. Uh, now, when real estate fell, I moved, my, I moved all my acquisitions to Jacksonville, North Carolina, which was a military town, which I had some of the best real estate years of my life during the depression because of the economics of that, of that area. So I did very well there. But then I also got into social media right as it started to become a real thing. Uh, when I first started, talk about the inception of the idea, it, social media was a kid's toy. Basically, Facebook wasn't even really around unless you were in a few schools, and MySpace was a place to—I don't know—share your party pictures and stuff like that. So I knew that real estate investing was a very—it's uh, not what you know; it's who you're connected with. Uh, a little bit of both, right? So it made sense to have a social platform for real estate investors. And literally, I was just sitting around a, I was sitting around a table with my girlfriend, now wife, and, and my cousin, and we were just talking about the idea. And I just kind of googled some domain names. And connected investors was available, and I just bought it and i said hey i'll st- I'll start doing this and there wasn't you know really much thought put into it, but I knew that there was a need for real estate investors to connect. I had that need, so that's how like the social networking platform started just in my life I had a need for something it wasn't there, so I just started it, and it was uh I it. I wish there's that's that's about it, man. So, so, so I want to I want to um
0: and just because I'm now understanding how your company started and when it started and why you started it, um, you hadn't yet. It looks like you hadn't yet connected the dots to hey, this can be a platform or a marketplace for you know lenders and uh, lenders and uh, private lenders and money lenders, right? It was still yeah. in the early stages to where you're like, hey, you know, connecting investors, we could all connect. Yeah, and obviously, what that reminds me of is something like like Bigger Pockets, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is, and I already know I'm I'm kind of getting that picture, but what do you think is the major distinction between connected investors and Bigger Pockets?
1: That's an awesome question, and I think as we uh, as I break down the so Bigger Pockets is a great forum, great forum. They have they have what they do. We are we we have our forum aspect, but we're more of a tool in a marketplace. Um, Bigger Pockets. I believe you can post your properties in kind of like a forum, uh, setting. We have a a full, you know, Zillow like marketplace to search, find, and post properties. Um, yeah, I mean, so they're, 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 they do a really good job at being that, at being that forum and, uh, we're, we're more of the marketplace. We listen to what people are talking about in the forum and we try to solve those problems. So the first problem that we solved was, um, being able to sell investment properties because I mean, there was a time (laughs) might seem crazy where there were so many investment properties to be bought and there was no funding, right? Right now the the number one challenge is finding investment properties. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, probably in a little while, but, uh, but for a while it was, it was, uh, you know, the banks had all of these properties they needed to liquidate. People had properties and there was no funding. So we created this marketplace where people can upload their properties to sell and then we're like, all right, great. This is a good start for wholesalers to kind of trade properties. But then we needed to solve the, the funding problem. So uh, another you know, semi-side story, uh, I was training for a, a triathlon, an Ironman triathlon. And while I was training, um, the CEO of a little company called Lending Tree was also training for a triathlon, uh, an, an Ironman triathlon. So I got to meet, hang out with, and become friends with the CEO of a publicly traded company that had revolutionized funding in the you know traditional mortgage world. So we were talking a little bit and he said, you know, real estate investing funding kind of reminds me of what you know traditional funding was like back in you know 95. So he came on board as an investor and advisor in the company and helped us craft a solution for individuals to meet non-bank private and hard money lenders to fund their deals. So through listening to all the challenges people were having on the forum, everyone needed money now. So we created this this whole uh, marketplace of verified non-bank lenders that would compete to fund uh, real estate investments.
0: Wow. Okay. So a lot to, to kind of break down. <laughs> I appreciate that so much, Ross. And that was probably the bigger pockets question. It's probably my hardest question on the interview. So we're smooth sailing from here. <laughs> um, I, I think about, I think about, I think about the the crowdfunding arena now. Okay, so we've talked about the social media arena and connected investors and bigger pockets. Now, I, I want to jump to the crowdfunding arena because crowdfunding wasn't a thing for so long. and could it be a thing because of certain laws in place. And I think in 2015, or maybe probably even before that, there started being major changes in, in the laws and allowing people to start crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about, again, I want to distinguish because I want people to understand exactly what connected investors what, what Connected Investors is and who it's for. And I think about some of the crowdfunding platforms um, for large commercial apartment buildings um, and things of that nature, you know, Fundrise and all, the, and all those guys. What sets you guys apart from them?
1: Whenever crowdfunding first kind of hit the scene, it hit really hard. And Connected Investors looked at it and said, hey, we, we are the crowd, right? We have hundreds of thousands of people that are using our site. So we explored um, becoming a crowdfunding platform I didn't like any of it. It was, uh, it was, st- it was still too new. It was, there was too many uh, regulations that hadn't really been defined. So instead of becoming a crowdfunding portal, we kind of consolidated the crowdfunding portals to where people could um, reach out to them from a funding perspective. When you go through our funding portal, uh, several different ways to get there. Privatelenders.com is one of them and you start entering in your information, a lot of those crowdfunding portals compete to um, give you the best rate and term on your fix and flip or buy and hold. So crowdfunding was a real big buzzword, but all it really is, is a hard money lender that is able to kind of sell their note off to to a lot of small people. So from the person who's getting funding from the crowdfunding portal, there's no difference for you really in going to that portal or going to the crowd. There are some, some sites that are um, a little less hard money and a little more crowdfunding. There was one out of, uh, the United, uh, one out of uh, North Carolina called Ground Floor to where they are actually funding it with the crowd. But usually what happens is the crowdfunding portal puts up the 500000 and then you get your money right away. And then you take that, they take that 500000 and they chop it up and they sell it to you know, 4,000 people and they get their money back and they can then reinvest but it really sizzled It really sizzled out because the, uh, you know, it's, believe it or not, it's challenging to make money as a lender. Uh, you know, it seems like, oh, the lenders make all the money, but it's, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of risk there. So it, uh, the crowdfunding side kind of started to kind of sizzle, sizzle away a little bit. Um, there's a lot of different aspects of crowdfunding. Fundrise is, is much different than some of the other uh, portals out there, but you don't hear, you don't hear people talking about it too much in the real estate world anymore because it didn't really, impact or change how things are done from getting a loan perspective. Didn't make things faster or easier.
0: <laughs> no, I totally get that. I totally yeah. get that. So so but in a nutshell, you guys you guys saw the opportunity to to occupy the social space for real estate investors. Not too long after that you saw the opportunity to not only occupy the social space for real estate investors, but now to provide real estate investors with, with, with solutions to their, their funding their deals.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, two main problems. Where am I, I going to get the money? We have that solved. And where am I going to find the deal? And that's kind of our, our whole, uh, you know, our new software, our whole initiative, our whole marketplace to make sure people can find the properties. Because now we have these lenders that are coming to us constantly. They're like, Ross, we want you to connect us with more people. Um, but the problem is you don't have the deal. Your listeners don't have the deal. Uh, so the deal has become the, uh, you know, the scarce item on the, uh, you know, in this equation. So that's why we have a lot of just different deal finding softwares to help you find the deal. So then you can then come to us for the, uh, for the funding. And we, we don't get in the middle of funding. We're not a broker. We are, we are a connector. We don't raise the cost of funding. You're not coming to us. We're not writing you the check. We're just showing you your five best options for private non-bank uh, funding. And then, you know, helping facilitate the transaction, make it faster and easier to shop for that money. Just like you shop for a hotel room. We're not the hotel. We're just the technology piece.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I don't know why I was under the assumption that it was more so the way I pictured it is that you would submit your, your, your deal or your analysis to the marketplace and then you would have different lenders contact you wanting to sh- give you, uh, show you their terms or their rights or whatever, whatever it is that they're, that, that they're able to, uh, to help you with.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you basically tap about 10 or 15 buttons no credit checks required. And then you'll see lenders will tell you what they can do for you. Rates, terms, down payments, you know, and then you, you pick the one that you like the best. That's awesome.
0: So from the, from the lender's point of view, from the lender side, if a lender was looking to lend money to an investor, they can, they, it's, it's the same process to kind of go through connected investors and they can become, how do they get deal deal flow? Do they go through and do they have a yeah. marketplace of properties? How does that work on their side?
1: Yeah. So they have to basically come through our portal and get verified. Because there is, I can't, gosh, there's so much fraud in the private money space. Um, we get people shut down all the time that, that try to come through our portal. We've, we kind of bait them. We watch what they're doing. We figure out their scammers. We send them to the authorities. And we've got millions of dollars confiscated out of scammers accounts. There's a lot of, if, if you're out there looking for private and hard money, and you're dealing with some random person you met on, on any forum, If you met them inside Connected Investors, inside Bigger Pockets, on Craigslist, on a Facebook, um, they are you're you're at risk—a very, very high risk. Especially if they're they're feeding you all the stuff you want to hear. That's why people—they'll go on our forum, and we we spend so much time to keep it clean. And just—it's ridiculous—the cat and mouse game we have to play with people. Um, But you know, public forums are just wide open. So that's why—just be careful out there. It Doesn't matter where you are. If you don't know someone, like you need to do your due diligence on the lender. Even the people you meet through us still always do your due diligence on them because they need you more than you need them uh, in today's market because billions of dollars has been, has been pulled together and they have to deploy it and they just can't deploy it fast enough because there's just not enough deeply discounted properties out there. Anyone who's out there trying to find deals knows it's, it's difficult right now. Yeah. Everything else is easy. The buyers are easy. The funding is easy. So there's always going to be two sides that are going to be easy and one side that's going to be hard. Um, That's just, that's just how it is. Nature of the
0: beast. Nature of the beast. I get it. When you talk about some of these lenders who are, are, are I guess, scamming, what do you mean by that? Or is it something that maybe it's not a scam, but they're being unethical in, in their, maybe their contracts and what they're, and how, and how they're positioning themselves so that they can take over the property and things like that. Or is it actually a scam? Like what,
1: what, no, it's what? basically uh, the biggest, the biggest kind of scam is when you're uh, people, they're getting you to wire the down payment money to them. Mm. You know, and they're just literally just taking, they're just taking the money. Wow. Um, I mean, people get upset about hard money lenders when they want money down or if they need some sort of a fee for, uh, you know, looking into your deal. Uh, It's because you don't understand the economics on the other side. It's, you know, very expensive to look at your deal um, and to, to analyze those. And it's, you know, every lender wants a little skin in the game, especially if they don't know you. This way you don't just walk away when things get tough uh, you know, lenders will put up all the money for the down, for the, uh, for the rehab, right? So if you had $20,000, you're going to put down and you're planning on using that for the rehab, a lot of times you don't have to use your money for the rehab, but you might have to put that money down just to have a little skin in the game. That doesn't even have to be your money. You know, you can borrow that 20,000 from an individual, from your credit card, from a business line of credit, whatever, but any smart lender, uh, is going to require a little bit of money down, especially on your first, on your first loan.
0: I think that, I think that that's super invaluable for you the listeners. You can always
1: find, you can always find uncle Tom that might just do it. Um, but you know, yeah, for sure.
0: Everybody has their own opinion, but when you think about a listener who's just getting started and they're looking to maybe, you know, fix and flip their, their first deal, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> what comes, what comes first, the, uh, the deal or the money? And, how, should yeah, you, no, how should you, how should you set yourself up for success? That's a
1: great, uh, That's a great, great question. Um, people always think, Hey, I need to find the funding first. If you have a good deal, if you have a deal, that's an actual real real estate investment, it's never, it's not hard to find a buyer. It's not hard to find funding. If you have a crappy deal, um, you know, that's five or 10% under market value, you're going to have a really hard time finding both of those things. So, um, if you're looking to go out there and buy a bunch and you want to pay retail, and buy a bunch of rentals or pay just slightly below retail and buy rentals and just hold, you're going to need to line up your funding first. If your talent sets are kind of, if you're a good negotiator and marketer, um, then you don't necessarily have to worry about the funding as if you can get properties at deep, deep enough discounts. Uh, but you know, again, with when you're dealing with motivated sellers with a property, with individuals who own the property, you can get really creative in your finance financing. You don't have to go out there and get you know, all of your money from a hard money lender, uh, there's all sorts of creative ways to, to do things, bring partners in. Um, cause everyone wants their money in real estate right now, one way or another. So it's, if you, if you can find the deals, I would, uh, if you find a good deal, you're not going to have any problem quick flipping it or getting, or getting funding. And if, if you, if your credit is just completely, you know, hard money lenders don't really care about credit, but they use credit to price you. If they can use it as an excuse to charge you more, they will. Um, but typically bringing on a partner that has some experience or, uh, just, a you know, a little bit of money will eliminate all of the roadblocks, all the excuses that people have. Oh, I found a good deal. I couldn't get it funded. Uh, really? Was it a good deal? Uh, cause if it's a good deal, you can at least wholesale it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. I love it. And those were, those were so many nuggets. So, so many nuggets. <laughs> um, so, so my, my next question. So let's just say an individual finds a good deal mm-hmm. and it, 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 by everyone's standards is a good deal. How does how does how does this investor, how does this investor now choose, especially in your marketplace, now choose what lender to go with? What are some of the things they should be looking for or looking at? Because I feel like real quick, I feel like that's that's the dichotomy that you flip. That's what you've set up in this, like that's what you that's like your your that's how you're changing the industry, right? Most of the time you're going to look for money. You're going to you're going out there to market your deal. Whereas with your marketplace, it's like no, like I'm the price. Mm -hmm. So, so, so so what, what, what should the investor look for when it's like, Hey, these are, these are the five lenders that you guys have chosen and they're lined up. What, what am I looking at?
1: Well, there's some, there's some obvious things there that I'll just point out is just the, you know, the rate, the rate and term, right? Like, all right, this lender is charging me three points. This lender is charging me two points. Uh, So that's, that's how a lot of people use the marketplace. But then also, You know, who do you want to be partners with, right? Who do you want to do? You know, I might ask them questions like, all right, if we do this deal, will my rate go down over time on the next deal? Um, The first time you deal with any lender, it's always a pain in the, pain in the butt for any paperwork or something. But the first, after you deal with them the first time, it's fast and fluid. The first time you deal with someone is always the toughest. So, you know, you kind of want a lender that where your rate will go, go down over time and that your speed to uh, getting the capital goes down. Uh, and also, if, you can ever, if they can ever open up any credit lines as well, right? Um, so just asking those questions, playing it out. Hey, I'm going to do this deal with you. Um, tell me about how the next deal is going to look. Get them to sell you on the next deal on the first deal because they might oversell themselves a little bit on that next deal that they don't think ever is ever going to happen. And then you're like, hey, you told me the next deal we would, you would, you wouldn't charge me any points up front. So you can kind of negotiate your next deal with your lender as you're doing the the current deal, uh, which would be a real big money saver.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. One more flip. And then we're going to get right back into your story on the lender side of things. How does a lender, a brand new lender price themselves?
1: brand new lender. How do they price themselves? So there are the brand new lenders to get any penetration into this market. Uh, they they need to come to us because we can provide so many, uh, so many leads depending on kind of where they are. But pricing is really hard right now because all these lenders, the prices keep going down, 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 down. The margins keep getting thinner and thinner and thinner for the lenders. So if I'm talking to a lender, I would say that you can make a lot of money in the underserved markets. The underserved markets are under $100,000. No one... It's like this, so many lenders, they don't want a property that's under a hundred thousand bucks because they have to do all the same work and they make so much, so much less money. So that is a huge opportunity. Any lender who's going to be in there uh, and can serve that market would, they would be able to charge almost whatever they, they want. Uh, On the other side, as a borrower, you know, it's better to try to borrow more than less. Uh, You, it sounds crazy, uh, but it's you know. So there's a lot of markets that aren't necessarily uh, served at under hundred thousand uh, lender can get in there and charge almost almost whatever they want. And you think if someone's charging you five points on a hundred grand, it's five thousand five thousand bucks. It doesn't, you know, that's what the lender should kind of make for having to put up all the risk. They're charging you, you know, seven to twelve percent on the money. They're not really making much. Uh, so I don't know if that answered answered your question, uh, sure. but. That's kind of where I hope there's more lenders that come into that market because our borrowers have a need in that, in that space. And I'd like more people competing for that. A lot of people, what they're doing really is a lot of these credit lenders and almost credit card companies are starting to come in and say, Hey, I'll give you the 60,000 you need for that house. So these, there are these weird lenders that are starting to get into our space to help serve that market. uh, And we're seeing a lot of that.
0: Totally off subject. It just popped into my head and hopefully you prayed about it so we can kind of talk about it. I'd love to get your opinion. Have you seen the, the new, and I don't know if they've rolled it out yet or they're rolling it out in a few few years, but Amazon is starting, they're starting to invest in real estate. Have you seen that?
1: Amazon is uh, is what? You're breaking up.
0: Amazon is, is is looking to create a real estate marketplace.
1: Yeah. So the iBuyer movement, uh, you look at Zillow, Their uh, their projections are of every house that's ever sold, they're going to be the ones who buy it. There's Open Door that's coming in there. There's all these, there's huge hedge fund money that's all plowing into real estate. And it's really going to change how, uh, it's really going to change the real estate investing game because uh, now they don't like properties that are in need of a lot of repair. They're looking for high volume, low risk, which means, not many repairs, properties that they can just buy, park money in, and then sell. Maybe they make some money. Maybe they lose a little bit of money. Uh, but they don't even care right now that they're if they're making money or losing money, they're going to be buying through the down markets. So it's, it's a whole new thing that's coming in uh, to real estate. And we have a whole lot of uh, fun marketing collateral around some of that. Because I've, I've sat down with the owners of some of these companies um, and, uh, it's, it's crazy what's coming, but houses will essentially be stocks in some way in the future like like yeah. one, one way or another. So, uh, I mean, Amazon's marketplace would be, uh, would be great. It would, be, it would make Zillow have to have to figure something out.
0: I, I feel like I should ask you how should real estate agents be prepared, but I think we know the answer to that. So let me ask you, how should investors and lenders um, be prepared for, for this shift? What, what are some of the things, how, how can they be affected by, by, by some of this?
1: Well, you know, Zillow bought a uh, mortgage company as well. So it's just, everyone's trying to kind of consolidate everything uh, under their, you know, under their roof. Now, real estate investors can actually work with and wholesale deals to these, to these iBuyers. Um, some of them even have portals where you can go to and get approved. Zillow has, Zillow has, uh, they're all, they all try to build little mini networks of investors that they can sell the houses that are in need of major repair to. So... There's a lot of uh, potential opportunity there, as far as, as far as lenders go. Uh, the hard and private money lending space, I don't, I don't think it will affect uh, as quickly as the other uh, lending lenders out there. But I mean, real estate agents are constantly fighting. Uh, you know, they're going to be in a big, uh, big battle with all of these uh, with all of these big eye buyers and Zillow, and it's it's not getting any easier for them.
0: So Ross, let's talk about, let's get back into your story. I mean, you've built, you built your, you you started your real estate portfolio, obviously you're killing it. Right. And, and then you, you, you built up a, a tech company that's doing well. What, what's, what's the, what's the overall goal for you? What's, what are you, what are you reaching for? Is there, are there, are there more businesses looming or is this kind of where you're setting your laurels and you're trying to grow, grow this business at, at, as big as you like? What's the, what's the goal for you here?
1: Yeah, uh, we've been, we've been buying some companies. Um, whenever, whenever, we can, uh, I just, I really wouldn't be suited to do much else, um, outside of real estate. So we are just, uh, pushing as hard as we can to, to really, uh, you know, be that, that must have that tool that if it went away, your whole real estate investing business kind of, kind of goes away in the next, uh, few months here. Uh, you know, anytime you Google a property address. You'll see the probably the Zillow version of it, and you'll see the connected investors version of it. Where we we're analyzing, breaking down the investments ability of every single property. 137 million pages of ours are about to hit about to hit Google. So just being that central hub for, for real estate investors to find the properties, analyze the properties, fund the properties, flip the properties, working with banks and asset managers. Uh, our mobile app is Next level, uh, the Connect Investors mobile app. It's, it's super cool. You can see all the investors in your town, and take a picture of a property, and it sends it out to all of them uh, with all of the data already there for you. So we just constantly work on streamlining uh, the inefficiencies that are in the real estate investing business. It, you know, and right right now is such an exciting time because inefficiencies give hustlers the ability to profit. Uh, once this stuff is all 100% streamlined and the data is 100% perfect, then that's when all the big hedge funds can just press a button and some bots can go out there and buy and sell and fix and flip properties. Uh, But right now, I think, is the most exciting time to be in real estate because, uh, you know, real estate and tech, the two juggernaut industries are kind of figuring out how to play together. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity now to where you can fix and you can flip properties from home with your phone. You can really do that stuff in uh, in today's world. And today's um, market too, because if you can find it man, flipping, it's easy. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, so Ross, in the next maybe two to three years, how do you see your role changing at your company?
1: Oh, my, my role. Well, I constantly try to, I don't, I don't even have an, I don't have an office here. So I I, <laughs> we, built this, we built this whole, you know, uh, fancy headquarters out and I constantly try to, you know, push myself out of, out of the door. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for any for any business uh entrepreneur, any business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, um, you know, the goal is to always, you know, make yourself I don't know, something nice to have, not a not a must-have. So I'm constantly just building the team, hiring and training good people. Uh but I just I just get really fired up about all the things we could do. So maybe maybe my role won't change. I'll just keep coming up with more crazy ideas and hiring uh talented people to figure out how to make you know, things that were previously impossible, possible. I
0: love it. I love it. I love it. Now, I mean, this has been an amazing episode. And before we get to the last and final segment, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you're just like, right, why haven't you asked me? This? this is something that investors definitely should know about my company. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think we should we should cover?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a great question. So um, roughly a year ago, we we launched uh, what we've branded and trademarked the pre-MLS. So the pre-MLS is essentially... Uh, you know, the kickoff point of our, of our whole marketplace to where you can find every type of motivated seller from, you know, vacants to probate, to pre-foreclosure, to foreclosure, to bank owned, to online auctions, to Craigslist, to gosh, uh, you know, the list shadow inventory, uh, zombie properties, and the list goes on and on. You can find all of these in a very, uh, you know, almost an Airbnb style user interface. And it also has the property owner's uh, contact info with a lot, not all the properties, maybe 20, 30% have the contact info as well. So we actually bought every single person's contact info in the, in the United States. Isn't that kind of crazy that you can
0: that's just insane. do that? Yeah, um, that's
1: insane. So I have your phone number, I have your email. <laughs> so, and then we matched um, the contact data with all of the property addresses that were out there. So 123 Main Street is owned by, you know, Ross Hamilton, here's Ross Hamilton's latest known email, phone, you know, social media profiles, which actually, uh, we had people's Facebook profiles on all the properties and Facebook, uh, sued us. So we had to take that down. (laughs) Wow. How, I mean, why would, I don't even understand how, how that's not, uh, whatever. So (laughs) it it wasn't a big deal, but, uh, me and Mark Zuckerberg are no longer on good, uh, on, on good terms. It seems, it seems obvious, it's like here's the property, here's the person that owns it, here's their Facebook profile. But Facebook didn't like that and they have more, uh, more lawyers than we do. So, you know, that's, that's been a really huge initiative for us because we've, we've done a really good job at fo- solving the funding problem. So now we're doing everything we can to solve the deal, uh, the deal finding uh, problem. It's really the number one problem right now is finding, is finding the deals. Um, so we're, we're doing everything we can to kind of bridge that gap.
0: Gotcha. And th- this tool
1: again, what is it called? Um, it's called the pre-MLS.
0: The pre-MLS. Yeah,
1: um, it's all the deals before they get listed on the, uh, on the MLS. Now you can also search the MLS data as well. Um, you can see properties that are listed, non-listed. Uh, you can sort by, you know, age, out-of-town owner, you know, all the different ways to kind of break down and uh, layer uh, individuals. And then you can direct mail them. You can knock on their door like I used to do. You could uh, send them a text. If you don't want to do direct mail, you can do direct message. So it's, it's kind of modernized, uh, you know, deal finding, which again, you know, you asked the question about that other forum site a little while ago, uh, and that's just kind of one of the major, the major differences to where I think they work with foreclosure.com or something, and you can buy foreclosure.com's crappy data, uh, which it is really bad, by the way, or you can, uh, you know, connect investors, we take it upon ourselves to, to really solve the problem. And uh, it's a lot more challenging. But at the end of the day, it's, it, uh, it really solves your problem. Well, uh, I think we have an
0: affiliate link actually.
1: Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Think- yeah. Definitely go through that then. Um, yeah. sorry I mean, about that's that. Gonna be a, I think that's going
0: to be, um, before the millions.com forward slash funding.
1: And yeah. Let, let me just, right yeah. I'll just, I'll give you access to, you know, a bunch of free stuff that I mentioned that we can, you can go ahead and put in that link. Uh, this way there's direct links to all that stuff. You know, right. I'll give you a direct link into the pre MLS software and, your subscribers a big discount uh, for coming through you. Beforethemillions.com
0: dot com forward slash funding. Ross, again, like I told you, this has been an amazing interview. Um, I'm so happy that we we're able to talk about some of the things that yes. we talked about that haven't yet been talked about on the show. We talked about Amazon. We talked about the future of investing. We talked about lending. We talked about being able to find investors for your deals. We talked about getting the best rates. I mean, we talked about so much, Ross. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book?
1: Um, we, we talked about it, but I think Think and Grow Rich is definitely uh, a must, must read. What I'm reading right now is What Got You Here Won't Get You There, uh, which is a really uh, phenomenal book too on how to get to the next level.
0: What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool.
1: I think our, our internal collaboration software we use called Monday uh, hmm. really helps with, uh, with the team. Um, like fan- Slack and Basecamp. Yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been instrumental for us. It's called Monday. Yep, it's called Monday. You said it's, a, you said it's internal, so I can't I can't link it up. No, again. no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. You you, you can use it. Okay, That's cool. Just, Monday, what I use to manage all my different you know ventures. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Man, I love uh, being able to ride my bike to work. Um, I mean. Once you, you know, once you, once you're at a certain level, it's just you get to pretend like uh, I don't know, to pretend isn't isn't necessarily the right word, but I mean, any, my days are completely and totally uh, up to me, so I think that's like the best gift that you could you can give yourself. But when you're doing something you love, uh, you know, I I rush into work. You know, I got a little uh, two year old girl, girl at home, so then I rush home. So I'm always I'm always so excited to get anywhere I'm going because I enjoy. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, the work-life kind of balance. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Oh, my gosh. It was just basically, uh, I mean, every single dollar I made in my, you know, 20s um, went 100% into, you know, my business and education. Like, everything. I was broke as a joke, man. Uh, You know, I had uh, tons of tons of equity. Right. Uh, but it was just, I was just, go, I was constantly just going all in even on my real estate deals. Oh, I made a hundred grand. Great. Boom. I just spent 110 grand here. Like I just kept, kept going all in. So, um, yeah, but it was Wait, just, it's, it's, it's what you have to do. When you start with nothing, you have to keep doubling that penny, um, to make it, you know, get, get, to, get to anything real.
0: When you say um Ross, when you say equity," you had tons of equity, do you just mean literally or do you do you mean literally and figuratively because if you mean literally and figuratively, I want to dive into that
1: well no i was I was just talking about this this time period in my life where i was I had you know forty or fifty properties, but I had no money in the bank
0: okay so you mean you mean literally yeah you meant that you were you you knew where your business was going so that you knew that you were putting your dollars to work at the same time you were building the equity in your business to where you are today but
1: um, sure. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll go. We'll, we'll go with that one. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds. That sounds way better.
0: It. I love it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why?
1: Uh, essential to my growth. Well, my first, uh, my first mentor got me into real estate, and it's uh, when I talk to people that are that are that are having a hard time in their real estate business. A lot of them are just sitting at home alone, trying to figure it out on the side. And I would have, uh, I wouldn't have made it if if that was uh, if that was me. So my early mentors and business partners, um, just being around people that are doing what you want to do is, I mean, so important. Uh, so yeah, my early mentors and 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 business partners. That's awesome. That's awesome. Last but
0: not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions?
1: Why are so many people stuck? Well, the, the biggest problem is you don't know exactly what you want to do, right? And uh, or you're not all bought into it. Like if you know exactly what you want to do and you, if you knew for a fact that you were going to be successful at that, there'd be like nothing that would stop you. But people are like, well, I might try real estate, dabble in that, or I think this other thing's kind of cool. Or maybe I'll go back to school. So I think to just not being very decisive. Uh, that's why you've you've heard me say like five or six times, like I'm all in. Like if I'm doing something, like I can't even really be friends with people. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Like when I rode BMX, if you didn't ride BMX, I we didn't have much to talk about. Right. And it's I got into real estate and it's just I was just so all in. It's uh maybe it was some of the sacrifices that I had to make as well, some you know, some friends and stuff like that. But uh uh, but yeah, I mean, not being able to make that decision and just truly believe it in your heart and just kind of lean all the way into it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for adding the value that you added to the listeners. It's been simply phenomenal.
0: So I thank you for all the advice that you've shared on the show. Uh, listeners head over to before forward slash funding to make sure that you can go ahead and line up funding for your next deal. And Ross, we'll talk to you soon.